0: Oh, it's good to be with you. Please be seated. Yeah, you know, last week I thought Stephen did a wonderful job carrying us along on our theme for the year, which is to become a disciple, growing as a disciple. And what he taught about was specific training. And God often describes our growth in terms of training. And why don't you, I want to show you what we're after for this year, where we're looking to go. And that is, we want to be a people who love God, who love people, and who serve the world. That's what a disciple looks like at the end of the day. And that's what we're growing into. Now, all training... Involves learning of one sort or another. If you go into a weight room and you don't learn how to do the lift properly, you will next be visiting the ER. You'll be in a different room. And God has a good bit to say about how we are to learn, how we can learn to walk in his ways. And the good news is that you are already good at the way that God wants you to learn. The way God wants you to learn is something that you have been doing from your youngest and earliest days. Remember when we, I started off when the first teaching on this series, the beginning of January, I had Jessica hold up baby Evie. Okay. And here's the thing. We don't want Evie to look the same in a year that she looks now. If she looked the same in a year that she looks now, there would be serious problems and Evie's not going to look the same. She is going to change in two very different ways. One way she's going to change is physically. And her physical changes are going to be pretty much unconscious. They're just going to happen because that's the way God designed the body to go. And her parents provide her with both the diet and the environment to thrive physically. So that's just going to happen. But Evie is also going to learn a lot of things over the next year. And since Evie doesn't read, she's not gonna be learning them by reading textbooks. But she's gonna learn an awful lot. And she is going to learn by following the example of her parents and her siblings. She is going to learn by imitating. That's the earliest way that anybody learns. She will imitate those around her and she will learn to speak. She will learn the meaning of facial expressions and to learn how to reflect them back herself. She's going to learn how to begin to understand how to respond to life, even though she still won't be able to talk. She's going to learn all these things by imitation. That is a key concept in becoming a disciple. Learning how to imitate our God. Now, we imitated t- this morning. Jessica let us, that opening song was a callback, right? I thought that was wonderful. We had to say, she said something, we said it back. I hope that when you said it back, you believed what you were saying. Because when, when she ministers music or when anyone ministers in music, there's a couple of different things that go on there or that can go on. It can be designed to praise and worship God. That's when our songs are directed upward. How Great Thou Art. That's praise and worship to God. Other songs, like the one we sang on Victory, are not praise and worship to God as much as they are a declaration of what God says about you. And it's really good to repeat those truths to yourself. Not simply to read them, but to repeat them. It's a form of imitation. And all the learning that Evie is going to do this year is basically going to be by imitation. And I want to show you how we can apply that same key to learning to becoming a disciple. Now, in the Bible, you haven't really learned something until you have experienced it. This idea that I learn only by studying, that's a Western idea. That is not a biblical concept. For God, you know by experience. If all you know is by textbook, you don't really know. That's why doctors do residencies after they finish medical school. You know, they're not just ready to start cutting you open then. They have to go through a time of doing before they really learn. That's why, you know, when Stephen was talking about specific training, he told us what the Bible says about praying for one another. Great, we all learned we should pray for one another. And then what did he do? He had us go pray for each other. He had people on this side of the room go to that side of the room. And now we know more. About praying for one another than if we just read the verses because we've actually done something with it. And we can learn and grow as a disciple just the way Evie is gonna learn and grow as a daughter. We observe and we imitate. And this is also how Jesus Christ became the man who became our Savior. He learned and imitated what his heavenly Father showed him. And he declares this in numerous places in the Gospels. Look at John 5, 19. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Now, when Jesus says truly, truly, that means listen up. Okay, now you and I as Christians, we might say, hey, anything Jesus said, we listen up. But when Jesus wanted you to listen up, he said truly, truly, or verily, verily, depending on what version you're reading. So listen up. I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that does the son likewise. Can you get a picture of Evie looking at her mother and doing what her mother does? That's what Jesus did with the father as an adult. Look at John eight twenty eight. I took a lot of the verses from the Gospel of John this week because that's what I was reading. And... Uh, I love the Gospel of John. It's a wonderful, wonderful record of, his son, of God's Son. Look at verse 28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's referring to His crucifixion, okay? His crucifixion followed by His death, followed by His resurrection. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own authority but just speak, but speak just as the Father taught me. How did the Father teach Jesus Christ? By his written word, the scrolls, and by the spirit that he had within him. You have the written word of God. You have the spirit of God within you. You can learn as Jesus learned. Look at John chapter 12. We'll look at verse 49. Again, listen to Jesus. I have not spoken on my own authority. This is Jesus Christ, someone we all look up to as like this guy, he's it, and he is. But what does he say about his life? I can do nothing on my own authority. Well, then why does Bob think he can do something on his authority? Because he's stupid. That's why he thinks that. (laughs) But the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. He learned from seeing, observing, and imitating His heavenly Father. And Jesus saw the Father by the Word, the written Word, and via the Spirit. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ says over and over and over that He observed and did what the Father showed him, what do you think we're going to be doing to imitate Jesus Christ? Looking to the Father and what he's doing. We are to imitate God. Ultimately, we're imitating God. That's what we're after. That's the ultimate. There's intermediates, but ultimately we're imitating God, which is what it says in Ephesians 5. Verse 1 is very simple. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, learning as an imitator indicates that you don't have a great deal of understanding behind that at first. What kind of understanding does Evie have when she sees her mom smile at her and she smiles back? She's learning to imitate, and as she imitates, the understanding comes as she grows and matures. Now, it is easy for Evie to imitate Jess because she spends most of her waking hours within 18 inches of Jess's face. Okay, so that makes it pretty easy for her to imitate Jess. It's a little different for us when it comes to imitating God. God is invisible. We cannot watch God doing what he does in the same way that Evie watches Jess do what Jess does as a mom. Not to worry, however, God knows that he's invisible. (laughs) You know, remember he created the universe? And he's got this sorted out. Like Jesus, we also have God's Word and God's Spirit. And we, as you're going to see, we have more as well. But first, let's again look at the examples that we have in the life of Christ and how looking at Christ helps us to imitate God. In Colossians 1.15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn." Over all creation. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. Now that's pretty interesting. How do you have an image of something that's invisible? To be an image means you are a reflection. It means you are a reflection. What Jesus Christ does for us is he reflects back the nature and character of God so that we can walk out on it. That's what what an image does. An image is not the thing itself. I have a picture which is an image of my wife on my desk. It's not my wife. My wife is three-dimensional, okay, not two-dimensional. It's an image. It's a reflection of her. Christ is a reflection of God his life perfectly reflected the invisible God. Take a look at John 1.18. It says, No one has seen God at any time. Why? He's invisible. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He declared the invisible God. He reflected for us the invisible God. Look at John 12. We'll look at verse 44. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. We believe in Jesus Christ. That goes all the way back to, it doesn't stop with Jesus. Our belief in Christ leads us right back to believing God. Verse 45, And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Well, it's not talking about the externals. God does not look like a first century Jewish man, okay? That's not what God looks like. He's invisible. God is spirit. So unlike Jesus Christ, God does not have a physical body. What we see in Christ, what Christ is reflecting back to us, is the nature, the character, the attributes, the very behavior of our invisible God, so that we have something to wrap our arms around and understand, oh, that's what it looks like. That's what this means. So imitating Christ is how we go about imitating God. Ultimately, it all goes back to God because the purpose of Christianity is not to get you to Christ. The purpose of Christianity is to get you to God. That's why it says in Peter that God or Christ brings us unto God. So that God is all in all. So, God encourages us to be an imitator of Him. The intermediate step is that we are an imitator of Jesus Christ. How do we go about imitating Christ? Well, the Gospels record a lot about Jesus. Not everything, but they record a lot. Other glimpses of the Savior are given in the epistles. And by looking at these, we can see or get a picture of how Christ lived. Go to John chapter 13. Remember, I told you we are going to look at a lot of verses in John. John 13, verse 12. Now, this is just before he's being arrested. You think he'd be sitting around with the disciples. Oh, man, it's coming soon, guys. They're coming to get me. It's going to be ugly. Let's just huddle up here for a hug. Now, what is Jesus doing? The night he's being betrayed. He's still teaching. He is... It's not that he is unconcerned about the events of the crucifixion. He knows them full well. He's read Isaiah. He knows what's going to happen. But he also is following his father's lead. And we're going to see his father's lead is always to help others. And he's going to teach them something. How many have heard that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples? Okay, well, when I was growing up in our church, they would do this like every Easter and the bishop would come in and wash their feet. Man, those feet were clean before the bishop got to see them. Let me tell you. talk Even men were getting pedicures. Nobody took off their socks for a pair of dogs. Uh, you know. But washing the feet in Bible times, I mean, they, they wore sandals. They were out in the dusty roads. Washing the feet was an important thing. And you know what? They were dirty. That's why they were being washed. And... That washing would have been done by one of the lowest level servants in the household. It was like, okay, your first job is going to be washing people's feet, then you get to wash the pans. Maybe you're going to get to take care of the horses someday. But this is, the, you know, this entry level servantship. You're washing feet. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. I can't imagine what they were thinking. I well, know a little bit because it says but he washed their feet and it says in verse 12 when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place okay here it is they're just like just flabbergasted they're sitting there it's like I come and wash all your he finishes washing their feet then he goes back and sits down again okay do you understand what I have done to you uh yeah you yeah, I get to like, like is this a trick question Jesus what's the, what's the, whoa, whoa, okay you washed my feet Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Verse 14, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. That was the point of that teaching. Imitate me. Serve one another as though you are the lowest servant in the house. And the servant, when he was washing those people's feet, he knew that he was not the master. He knew he was the servant. He knew what his place was. Christ is giving us a very vivid example of what that means. It doesn't mean we're going to put water basins out here next Sunday so we can imitate Christ. That wasn't his point. His point was learn how to serve learn to live like Christ by seeing how he lived 1 Peter is an epistle so it's not a historical narrative of Christ but it's telling us some things about him so let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2 it says here for what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it you endure but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure this is a gracious thing in the sight of God for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Now, what is the example that he left in suffering? It's going to tell us in the next verse. We are all going to endure things in life, right? How are you going to endure them? Like when I was growing up, I endured a lot of things, most of which self-inflicted wounds. I was that first verse 20. I was. Get, what What glory is it if when you... Sin, you get punished. Well, that was me. But how are we going to imitate Christ? What was Christ's activities when he had to endure hardship? What did he do? Verse 22 well, first, his overall life, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth, he didn't lie. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Read the gospel records about when he was beaten after his arrest. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He did not lash out, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So here we, if you read the gospels, you can see these events unfold. When you read 1 Peter, you get a look behind how he was thinking when he did those things. So we now have something to imitate See, Jesus did not go around lamenting what was going on in his life, looking for sympathy, you know, he didn't play the victim card. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Here's another, thing, things that Jesus wants us to do to imitate him. And again, how did Christ live? How did he think? See, now I can't see how people think, can I? I can see what you do, I can't see how you think. So what does God in his word do? He tells us how Jesus thinks. Look at look what it says in verse 3 of Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Now, why does God have to tell us that? Because most of what humans do is out of selfishness and empty conceit. So he's saying, oh, that's the way you live your life? Well, don't do that anymore. Self-centered is how most people live their lives. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now, how did Jesus exemplify that? He washed people's feet, didn't he? Now, what he says here, what's said here in this verse goes far beyond what most Christians even think about. Now, many people in the world, they look down on others. You know, they, they size them up, you know, what's your education, what's your wealth, where do you live? They size you up and they dish you. As Christians, many times I hear people talk that Men and women have an intrinsic value before God, and that's true. You have a value as a created being before God, so you are valuable. That's a good thing to consider about everyone, right? That's not what this verse is saying, though. It's not saying consider that other people have value. It's saying consider that their value is greater than your value. Oh, now we're taking another step up that they are more important than you. What did Jesus do? He washed their feet, indicating that he was the servant and they were the important ones. He gave us an example. Now he tells us what that means, what that looks like. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now why would we do things like this? This is, in verse 5, it says, "...have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus." You see, that's how Jesus thought. and how do I, That's how he thought, and that's why he washed people's feet. That's how he thought. That's why he said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He was born as a king. What did the Magi go to see? He was born king of the Jews. They didn't go, you know, he was born in a manger poor... He was born king of the Jews. He was born a king. He lived as a servant. How many important people do that today? How many kings, presidents, premiers do that today? You're not going to waste many fingers (laughs) counting them up. Now, having God's word informs you of what Jesus Christ did and how he lived. That informs you. Having God's spirit enables you To imitate it. Without God's Spirit, you you can't imitate Christ. What you can have, the best you can have is what they did have in the Old Testament, which was law. Don't do that, okay? That's the best you can have in the Old Testament. They did have the Scriptures, but they didn't have the Spirit. You have the Scriptures to inform you. You have the Spirit to enable you. But there's more. He has given each other He's given us each other to observe, to know how to imitate Christ. Because let's face it, in the Gospels, did the apostles know how to imitate Christ? Yeah, they traveled with him. They saw him day and night. They could observe him. Well, Jesus is at the right hand of God right now. So what do we have? We have each other. We have each other. We can be examples to one another of what it looks like to be a disciple, Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 4:16. It says, "I urge you then, be imitators of me." This is Paul speaking. Now, when he says that, he doesn't mean he wants us to become tent makers. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. Each of you here today has ways in your life that are in Christ and I can learn from them. I can observe you, and I can learn from them. I also have other ways. Don't learn those. But you know what? We can all be an example to one another. God wants us to look at each other, and as you grow in Christ, as you are a more mature disciple, your life is an example to newer disciples. You know what I find, though? Sometimes I find newer disciples are an example to me, as an older disciple, we can be examples one to another. Unfortunately, the example we see around us most of the time is anything but Christ. We can change that. Not only can we be an example to each other, we can be an example to the world. Look what it says in 3 John chapter 1. Okay, it's not the Gospel of John, but it's another John book. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. How many times I imitated evil when I was growing up? Followed my friends right down the wrong path, imitating evil when I should be imitating good. Now, Paul in Corinthians, he goes on further to describe what it means to imitate him, which is imitating Christ, which is imitating God, which is our goal, right? In verse 1 of of, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, says be imitators of me as I am of Christ Paul wasn't egotistical here now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered unto you they were imitating Paul he encourages them to do it more I want to show you a record of an example that Paul gave, just like Jesus gave an example of washing the feet of the disciples when he, as the teacher and Lord, shouldn't be the one doing that, but he gave us an example of service. Paul does the same. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now, in the ancient world, especially in Greece, they had a lot of itinerant philosophers and these itinerant philosophers sold the equivalent of first century snake oil. And they would wander around pontificating for money. Paul did not want to be confused with one of them. Because Thessalonica is in Greece. This isn't an epistle in, to other areas. It's an epistle to Greece where this was a problem. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Verse 8, Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Paul was trained as a tent maker. In his culture, the son was always trained in the uh, business or job or trade of his father. Paul knew how to make a living so that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in in ourselves an example to imitate. Paul was an apostle sent by Jesus Christ, commissioned by Christ, and as an apostle, he had the right to be taken care of by the church. But he refused that right in Thessalonica. He refused it so that he could give them an example of what it meant to live life, which means you work. But it is not only Paul that set an example that people could imitate. You might say, okay, well, Paul, well, he's an apostle, sure. Let's take a look at First Thessalonians chapter 1. In verse 4. It says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Remember, the word of God informs you, the spirit of God enables you so that you can imitate Christ. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So they, re- they, they saw us, which meant they were imitating Christ, which meant they were imitating God, Okay. The word informs, the spirit enables. The word gives us the standard, and by making God's word the standard of our lives, we are examples to others. The us here were Paul's travel companions. So we got Paul. He's the apostle. Oh yeah, of course he's an example. But he says those who traveled with him, they were also examples. You and I can be examples to others as well. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. They became imitators of the churches. Churches are made up of people. They weren't imitating buildings. There were no buildings at this point. They were imitating people. You and I can be examples one to another. Let people see your life. God's Word and His Spirit inform and enable us to be disciples. And the example that we give to one another shows people what that looks like in the real world. Take a look at Hebrews 13.7. God, just as he gave leaders in the first century, he's given leaders in the church that can be an example to people as they begin to grow as disciples. Hebrews 13.7 says, remember your leaders. Well, that doesn't mean we're going to give you a quiz to see if you know my name is Bob. (laughs) So what is that? I remember our leader. His name is? No. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of, of their way of life which was apparently different than the other people's ways of life and imitate their faith remember Paul said imitate my ways which are in Christ imitate their faith we imitate the ways of those around us our leaders and even one another so that we can learn to walk like Christ which is going to be walking just like God so that he who this is not ego when you are walking in the steps of Jesus Christ he who sees you has seen the Father that's just as true. That's what we want to do. That's, that's the lies that we can, have been called to live. I want you to just look around you and see the people that are in the room here this, today. You are surrounded by people who can show you how to live like Christ. You're surrounded by them. You say, Well, I'm not such a good example. Well, you're a much better example than a reality TV star. <laughs> I mean, I think you've got Mick Jagger beat. We can be examples to one another. Not only are we examples to each other as we grow as disciples, we are lights to the world. People can see you and see that being a Christian is different. It's sad when seeing a Christian is no different than seeing anybody else on the street. That's, that happens far too many times. You can't tell the Christian from the non-Christian by the way they react to life. That's not the way it should be. We can be examples. And when you leave here today, we're going, to take, we're going to take church out with us today. Because you're going to go places and you are going to show people Christ. Not by buttonholing him and say, hey, look, I'm looking like Christ here. I don't have a beard. My hair isn't as long. No, you're going to just, by your life, you can show people that you're different. People knew Jesus was different. They marveled at him. Just looking at him, they marveled at him. When he was in, in front of Herod on trial, he was, uh, Herod was amazed at how he behaved himself. That was different. Normally when you were a prisoner brought before the king, you fell flat on your face begging for mercy. Jesus just stood there and didn't even answer any of his questions. He was different. We can be different. We should be different. Look what it says in Matthew. We're going to close here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. Little old me, I'm the light of the world. Yes, you are, because you've got the Spirit of God living within you. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We can learn by example and we can teach by example. As a matter of fact, if you're not teaching by example, people are not going to learn much from you. They'll catch on pretty quick that you have a big H on your head. Remember the scarlet letter? It was an A for adulteress. Well, most people today have an h for hypocrite they say one thing they live another way not us I'm looking at a room full of Christ I'm looking at a room full so many of you have known many years I've learned things from so many of you not because you sat me down with the Bible you know but because you showed me a life lived in imitation of Christ a life lived the way God would live life so that I can look at you and I've seen the Father. So I'd like you all to stand. We're going to close in prayer together. If you're close by someone, hold their hand. If you're not close by someone, get close by someone. How's that? So join me in prayer. Father God, we are overjoyed to be your children. And we thank you, Father, for your blessings in every aspect of our lives. God, I ask you to open our eyes to what you are doing around us and what you are doing in others so that we can learn and join you. And I pray, Father, that we can be aware that we too not only represent Christ, but we can reflect Christ to the world. And I pray, God, that we do this this day and always. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
1: You guys are the best. You got something to close, Garrett? So so if I can, um, uh, expectation is big, okay, especially when we co-labor with God. You understand everything Jesus did, he was co-laboring with God. 2 Corinthians says that we are now co-laborers with him, that we can work together with him. And so when we pray with one another, when we pray for one another, we ought to expect that there's great power coming from our voice. Um, John, who I prayed with last week, um, I I didn't share this earlier, but he was was praying over me, and I had told him there were some things that I had asked for in prayer, And while he was praying, he went into some things that I did not tell him that I needed prayer on. It were things that I had been praying to the Father for the past two weeks on, and he started going into it. He started calling it out. And I told him afterward, I said, John, I don't think you realize this, but you were speaking prophetically over me. But there was an expectation on my end as he's praying over me that he's co-laboring with God. And so there's this big thing it 's just so boiling in my in my heart it's this cold this expectation, um, this expectation to see great things. If I can tell a very quick story, this week, I was talking with a, a friend while I was at work. And right before I took a patient, we were to get off of the phone, and I said, hey, look, before we talk in the next two hours, let's do this. Let's pray, and let's ask God to show us a, a miracle. I want miracles to be performed at our hands by his power. And I said, so let's do this. Let's just pray with great expectation that there's going to be some miracles that are going to happen. And uh, I, we just prayed that the, 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 the ceiling was just ripped off of our expectation on what he could do. And my very next patient that I took, we hung up the phone. very next patient that I took, uh, he brings in his wife, who's in a wheelchair. Come to find out she's been in a wheelchair for 14 years, and she has a brain disease that is, uh, it, well, let's put it this way. It's more common to win the lottery, he told me, than for her to have this uh, brain disease. And she's in the wheelchair. He tells me that her right ear has, uh, is, she's deaf in her right ear, and she's, well been in some issues right and so it was just crazy because I'm listening to the father and and I said okay God well what do you want to do here and actually two days prior to that he reminded me that two years prior I was a part of healing a woman's right ear who was deaf uh, and so there's this right ear that I'm remembering that this woman can, has been healed of and now this woman can be healed of being deaf in her right ear so um, I prayed over the woman And while we prayed, her husband just felt the Holy Spirit just gets all these chills upon his body. And what happened was uh, a miracle. And I didn't get to see it in that moment. But I know God was working in her body even at this moment. And so... I share this story because I want us to to hear a couple things here. A lot of times, healings can happen instantaneously, like John reported. One this morning, one last week. But then also, there's those healings that occur at the spoken word, and it just takes time for it to be manifested. But there's an expectation on our end, an expectation that we are co-laboring with God. So what I want to do tonight, or (laughs) this morning, tonight, I'm already jumping ahead, Uh, let's... uh, Let's pray with one another. We did it last week, and look, I'll say maybe 50 people were here last week, and if we saw one instantaneous healing, what is that, 2%? I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that, and I believe that there's going to be increase on that. So what I want to do is, Steve did it beautifully last week. Let's take people from this end, uh, splitting right down you, uh, Tim, and, and Nancy, yeah, this is side A, that's side B. I want side B to come over and meet somebody over on side A. Introduce yourself, ask them what area they would like prayer in or how they, you can lift up your voice to co-labor with the Father and pray for that individual. And then what we're going to do is you flip it and uh, we'll break bread after. But be expecting that one, you are co-laboring with God as you speak and two, the person that's speaking to you is co-laboring with God. Amen? All right, let's have a great week. Don't be shy, don't be shy, don't be shy. (laughs) Bless y'all.